My great-great-grandmother was a slave. She took bots of freedom to her unmarked grave. Her daughter stood alongside sisters for rights that would never be hers in a lifetime. Revolution is embedded in my bloodline. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration was 17-year-old poet Alora Young reciting her work as part of CBS's broadcast Every Vote Counts last October. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, July 20th. Moving from last fall to today, I'm keeping my eye on five key issues. This increasing spread of COVID from the Delta variant as vaccine hesitancy shifts to active resistance, the first sentencing from the January 6th insurrection, both the child care tax credits and for the People Act hearings that weren't getting much notice last week, a blow to immigration rights with a recent DACA decision, and multiple developments around cybersecurity and privacy. First, as we've probably all seen, the U.S. is now averaging 26,000 new cases of COVID a day, a 70% increase from last week, and it's been driven by the Delta variant. Meanwhile, just shy of 70% of eligible Americans have gotten a vaccine dose and almost 60% are fully vaccinated, but the rate of vaccinations has slowed significantly and there's a lot of evidence that vaccine hesitancy is hardening into vaccine resistance along ideological lines. With the CDC reporting that 97% of all people hospitalized with severe COVID-19 infections are unvaccinated, many are wondering if COVID in the U.S. may become a conservative Republican pandemic in the coming months, and real questions for what that means for both state and federal actions to respond to COVID in such a hyper-partisan moment. Second development that'll have ripple effects for the coming months, Paul Hodgkins from Florida was sentenced on Monday to eight months behind bars, the first resolution for a felony case in the Capitol insurrection back on January 6th. There are hundreds of other cases in process, and this really sets the stage for sentencing. They asked for no time. He got eight months behind bars, and he actually faced a relatively light set of charges compared to those who engaged in violence or helped organize the insurrection. Really a question of, will this keep the insurrection in front of people's minds as they enter into looking at elections next year? Because we're going to be seeing sentencing all over the next year and beyond. While that got some press, other issues didn't. Uh, two things stood out to me this week that didn't get a lot of attention. One, the first round of childcare tax credits went out from the Department of Treasury on Thursday. This is estimated to cut child poverty in half in the United States. So time will tell if the regular payments shift the conversation around economic justice, around federal intervention, or even affect the overall popularity of Democrats, or if they just gradually shift people's economic situation a little bit better without getting any clear attention or impacting the political dynamics of the country. Always interesting to see how major policy shifts do or do not actually get seen and experienced by people on the ground. Another piece that didn't get much attention, the Senate Rules Committee held a rare field hearing on Monday where they convened for the first time in 20 years outside the halls of Congress to hold a hearing locally in Georgia about the impact of voter suppression laws as they consider passage of the For the People Act. This was designed to illustrate the impact of the laws locally, and as Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who chairs the committee, said, what we're trying to do is say there's a solution. It should lie in Washington just like it did for employment discrimination and education discrimination. It sends that clear message that it's on our shoulders. 
However, this first in a series of planned field hearings got really very little coverage and remains to be seen if it raises the profile of these conversations or really helps build momentum to pass either the For the People Act or the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Amazing to see a hearing outside of DC. It's been 20 years since the Senate Rules Committee did it and to get almost no coverage of it at the same time. Last Friday, immigration advocates were dealt a blow when a federal judge ordered the Biden administration to stop approving DACA applications. After reviewing a lawsuit brought on by several Republican attorneys general, led by Texas AG Ken Paxton, the judge agreed that then-President Obama didn't have the power to stop deportations or to give work permits to DREAMers or even to set up DACA in the first place. The decision doesn't affect current DACA enrollees, but it paused new applications while the matter was remanded to the Department of Homeland Security to fix. Biden has said the Justice Department will appeal and is calling on Congress to pass the DREAM Act, granting a pathway to citizenship for DREAMers, but that would require amending the filibuster or finding 10 Republicans to join them, which is not likely. Interestingly, there's also talk that Manchin and others may support immigration reforms as part of the infrastructure bill, which could get through the budget reconciliation without any Republican support. So there's still a pathway to support some movement on immigration, um, even in the face of a Republican filibuster. Time will tell if that actually pans out in negotiations. And finally, a number of developments this week around cybersecurity and privacy that are ramping up political debate on these hot uh, topic issues. It'd be an interesting question, like, do these issues penetrate into the public consciousness and how do they do so? First, a major months-long investigation involving 80 journalists from 17 media organizations on four continents broke this week about the use of Pegasus, Israeli military-grade spyware that is supposed to be used to track terrorists and criminals. But their investigation found that it was used to hack smartphones belonging to politicians, reporters, human rights activists, and Arab royal family members. Pegasus can bypass iPhone and Android security, steal passwords and photos, recordings, and activate a phone's microphone. It's unclear who ordered the attacks, and there's a lot more details expected to be coming out in the coming days. And this is just going to stoke global diplomatic tensions and calls for more cybersecurity and privacy reform. Also questions to see if anything breaks around the use of the U by the U.S. government of Pegasus. We'll wait and see. Also yesterday, the Justice Department made two big cybersecurity announcements. First, it charged four Chinese nationals, three of whom were part of China's intelligence agency, in a worldwide hacking campaign that targeted dozens of companies and universities and governments in 12 countries, including the U.S., between 2011 and 2018. The Department of Justice is saying this is a reminder that no country or industry is safe from hacking. Also yesterday, Attorney General Garland limited prosecutors' ability to get reporters' emails and phone records when investigating leaks, and actually said he'd support Congress if they made these protections permanent. So these developments are interestingly splitting traditional Democratic-Republican forces, with some leaders from each side speaking out for more protections of free speech and others speaking out for strengthened law enforcement powers. So some interesting kind of breaks from the polarization as people fall in different ways around these questions of cybersecurity and privacy. So thanks for joining me to hear a quick review of the key issues this week from COVID and the insurrection sentencing to immigration and cybersecurity. I'm Jason Franklin. It's Tuesday, July 20th. Thanks for joining 10 Minutes on Democracy. <laughs>